Hello there. It's time for Most Things Kenobi. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Most Things Kenobi, a podcast about Obi-Wan Kenobi and all things Star Wars. I'm your host, Leanne. And I'm your host, Lauren. And we're back. We're back. <laughs> we did it. <laughs> We've crossed the ocean twice. Yes. And came back with a cold that we are both currently experiencing as we record this. I'm coming out of my cold, but Lauren is in the thick of hers. So we even share illnesses <laughs> as space twins. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we share germs. Um <laughs> Yeah, so pardon me. This one is uh, a loud, a loud cold. <laughs> yes. Well, it was kind of worth it. <laughs> <laughs> we had, we shared memories. We shared laughs. It was good. I'm, I'm really proud of us for what we did. And yeah. I'm really glad we got to do it together. Me too. It was really fun. And there are just, there's so many highlights. Oh my gosh. I was trying to write some of them down the other day. <laughs> I got as far as the Andor panel and then started deep diving into it. I'm like, I'm never, <laughs> I'm never going to get past this because just that alone was so much information. Yeah. I do have to say the panels that we got to sit in on were probably the best ones, especially for what you and I enjoy the most out of Star Wars, which is yeah. Andor, Clone Wars, and Obi-Wan Kenobi. <laughs> yes. In that order. Yeah. We saw the Ahsoka panel too, but those those other three were really like what I would literally travel over an ocean to see any one of those panels. Yes. They're, they were fantastic. And the best part was is that Lauren and I were there for the 10th anniversary Clone Wars panel at San Diego Comic-Con, and then... We were in London together for the 15th anniversary Clone Wars panel. So yeah. we're making a habit of this. <laughs> <laughs> and they're so good. Those Clone Wars panels are so much fun because everyone on the panel is already a friend. Like they are friends with yes. each other. And as as fascinating as Andor was and as you know emotional as the Obi-Wan mm. was... Mm -hmm. The Clone Wars one was just joy. It was like being with old friends. It really was. I mean, I laughed more at that panel than I did the entire weekend's worth of panels together, including yeah. the one that I was on. So, <laughs> <laughs> which, wow, that happened. <laughs> I we'll know. talk about it. That was so great. That was awesome. And we got to see Dave Filoni tear up, which is also a rare occurrence. That is rare. I've seen him many times now, and he always kind of it's like, ah, let's we're not gonna do that. Like, I don't want to have the emotion. He'll put his hat over his face and just be mm -hmm. like, ah, stop complimenting me. <laughs> but, 
But what he said, I thought was really beautiful. He said that he made Tales of the Jedi basically because he loved the people he worked with on Clone Wars so much, including the voice actors, that he made up an excuse to get them all in a room together again and work on a project together. I love that. If I had that much ability to just, hey, I really like these people. I'm going to just make up a television show to get them all back in a room together. That is a tremendous amount of of luckiness. <laughs> yeah, seriously. He's a, a man with power is what he is. <laughs> yes. Yes. I did not get to meet him. Not this time. I didn't get to meet anyone but Andy Serkis, which I'm just fine with. I made the man laugh, so that was great. Yeah, you got you got a really good interaction with him. That was awesome. And you were creeping on uh, Mads Mickelson, <laughs> which is totally fine. Hey, he's Hannibal Lecter. He's used to creeps. <laughs> <laughs> True. <laughs> oh, my God. I was just such a spaz about it, too, but... Yes, I've loved Mads Mikkelsen for I don't even know how long, like a very long time. And so to see him in person, I was totally geeking out. Thank you for taking pictures because I was way too nervous oh, to do you're, it. You're absolutely welcome. I have no problem also being a creep. <laughs> <laughs> or indulging other people in trying to get an incognito photo without anyone noticing. I, I love that. <laughs> that was so funny. Yeah, the man has cheekbones that defy humanity. It's insane. So, before we get into the thick of things, I think we should I think we should give a special shout out to the reason why I'm still a little bit choked up over just being there and that's our friends that we got to hang out with. Yeah. That honestly meeting those folks was one of the highlights of the whole experience, truthfully. So, let's call them out. Z, Charlotte, Salome, Anna, Jeffrey, Jeff, Jeffrey? I think he goes, he can go by Jeffrey. He'll excuse me, right? I pronounced it right at the time. <laughs> but without, without the moments that we had with those very special individuals, it wouldn't have been as special of a weekend. Honestly, it's true. They are our patrons, some of them. They are our friends. They're our listeners. They are amazing people. And we are so happy we got to meet them and hang out with them and just do the Star Wars thing together. (laughs) Yes. I think it's amazing how it's just an example of when you put your genuine self out there, you're like a magnet for people who mm-hmm. are similar and like-minded mm-hmm. and like similar stuff to you. And that's why that group, you know, Anna was friends with Charlotte and mm-hmm. we were kind of all friends with Z and then we all got to meet in person and it's just easy. You know, everyone gets along even though it's the first time we met Anna. Yeah. You know, it's so great. And there's that commonality. Obviously, you love Star Wars, but I think that because we, you and I, are very particularly, like, drawn to Luke and Obi-Wan and Anakin, Mm -hmm. Clone Wars especially, um, it makes for a really special group of people that we end up hanging out with, including even on the plane ride home. Going yeah. through security at the airport, yes. we met a, a 
young a teenage girl who was like, oh, I like your sweater. No one ever has Clone Wars Obi-Wan on anything. Yeah, yeah. And she was just adorable and was so jazzed about Star Wars and didn't even know Celebration existed. <laughs> yeah, and she she yelled at us through security, may the force be with you, and she was waving. <laughs> and if that isn't the spirit of what yeah. brings us all together and what Celebration is and what cons are, you know, it's, yeah. it's really great. Absolutely. All right, so where do we even start with any of this? I mean, I say we just go day by day because that's okay. That'll probably be our easiest way to get through it all. Well, my journey started before yours because I had to get to you first. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. then the 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 plane ride to London was effortless. Um, the train ride to our hotel was an experience um, <laughs> <laughs> new for me, and so we traveled on Wednesday, got there on Thursday morning, mm-hmm. and went over and got our badges. Thursday afternoon, and that was our first official look at how it was going to look the next day when it officially began, and yeah. it looked pretty cool. I mean, it was real. It was happening. By the time we took our first picture, it was like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad we went and got our badges the night before because it was a shit show yeah. the next morning when we got there. Oh, my goodness. Oh, it wasn't just the next morning. It was a shit show the whole weekend. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I, I will say, like... I felt like Comic-Con was a lot for me, and that's why I kind of preferred Celebration, because it was like Comic-Con, but like died down a bit. There weren't as many people. You can walk around. Mm -hmm. This was worse than Comic-Con. I don't know how many people attended, but it was so packed that, first Mm -hmm. of all, if there had been an emergency, we had all died. Yeah, we we (laughs) said that all weekend. Like, just the sheer amount of people per square foot in that in the the excel center i have to say i haven't been to other celebrations this was my first celebration so i i really don't have a a library to pull from you've been to several but compared to the san diego conference center or mm-hmm. where san diego comic con is held I, I they had a third of the people at the celebration and it felt like claustrophobic yeah and in my opinion, I don't think the Excel Center is a place that can host large amounts of people in panels, in queuing yeah. lines. We had no idea where we were going, where do we line up, what do we do, what time. You know, the people who were working there, God bless them, they were just trying to hang on. You Ser- know, Seriously. Oh, my God. The food vendors alone, I don't know how they managed to deal with as much garbage, literally garbage, and garbage you know angry people and it just everything it was a lot it was a lot and the toilets didn't work can we highlight the toilets because (laughs) (laughs) you know how i feel about the toilets the toilets did not flush a one out of every four toilets flushed in the excel center you know there are quite a lot of bathrooms but when there's like i don't know a hundred thousand people trying to use them it was insane yeah it was a lot (laughs) But it looked great. The artwork was hanging up in the hallway, and you, oh. you and I both loved the artwork. Oh, we weren't we weren't alone. Everyone loved the artwork. It was fabulous. Oh my god, it sold out really fast. <laughs> yeah, and it was really expensive. Oh my gosh, <laughs> the I know what that they did offer. Well deserved. The artist is 
super talented. And she was saying that she made, I don't even remember how many images total, but it ended up being where each individual character, if you laid them out in a certain format, it was one giant image. So that the, the backgrounds connected and interacted and freaking amazing but I could not afford it. <laughs> no, it was it was pretty pricey, but you did manage to get Han Solo, Princess Leia, and Cassian Andor on your badges. I did. Oh, so happy. And she even posted, I think Z shared with me, she posted a tweet saying that she fought for Cassian, that they had wanted yes. uh, another Return of the Jedi character. And she was like, no, you're putting Cassian. So when I saw her at her table, I shouted, thank you for putting Cassian yes. on the badges. And she's like, yes. you saw my tweet. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it was, listen, Andor was probably the most vocal cosplay. Oh, yeah. Fan group. It had a huge presence. And I was so happy that it did because... Everyone kind of said, like, it was going to be the sleeper show, and, and it was, you know, it yeah. it didn't have the same Star Wars formula that other shows did, and everyone loved it, and it showed yeah, just the amount of <laughs> prisoners <laughs> running up and down the aisles, one way out, one yeah. way out, you know, and then they got on stage, and it was this thing, and the Andor panel was amazing just to hear Tony Gilroy get it. Yeah. And vo- vocalize it. F- fantastic. I, I just like that whole panel. Each person who was on there is an an unexpected choice for maybe a panel like this. You would think the actors would be on there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was Tony Gilroy, Kathleen Kennedy, Diego Luna. Then it was the editor, who is actually Tony Gilroy's brother. And one of the writers is also Tony Gilroy's brother. And then right. they had, um, they had the, um, oh God, I can't remember it off the, the top costume. of my head. Costume the costume designer. Co- costume designer, Nick, Nicholas Bertel, the, the composer. And then they had the uh, set designer, the like production designer who designed all of Ferrix and all the sets. Yes. Each one of those people are geniuses on their own. Yes. It was really nice to hear from each one of them. Their insights. So intelligent. And like, yes, like you said, the insight just blew my fucking mind. They went, they explained things that even though I'm obsessed with this show, blew my mind. And I was like, I knew it was there. I just didn't know what it meant. And they never told you what it meant. They just needed it to mean something to them. Like the gloves on the wall. Yes. The gloves on the wall. Yeah. We talked about how little elements like this really fucking matter. Yeah. It really matters, and it mattered to them, and it showed. Yeah. And, like, it informed the music, the design, the writing, the acting, everything, but they never explained it to the audience. Like, you and I, mm-hmm. when we first saw it, we even mentioned the, the shot of all the gloves hanging on the wall and how it's a mining town and how that was really meaningful. But Tony Gilroy said those gloves are passed down from father to son yes. or, you know, parent to child they have a specific place on the wall and it means something it's a union hall and he's like that's the kind of show we wanted to be we wanted to make those kind of creative choices and know why every character does what they do even Diego Luna has said like his costumes had zippers and pockets that were specific for Cassian and he knew what Mm -hmm. they were for I mean 
That's fucking awesome. <laughs> I know. It's it, it it was you and I were sitting there like nodding in unison <laughs> yeah. because it's like, yes, exactly, yes, exactly. We kept like saying it in our minds. Yeah. Because it yeah, it, uh, it, it was just a cohesive unit and you could tell that everyone on that stage that was part of well, part of the panel, but a part of the show, were all in they were all in step with each other. Yes. And it was a seamless adaptation into the show and it was it was really beautiful some fun facts like they chose the dam for the aldani mm-hmm. right that whole storyline was the first hydrologic dam ever yeah which to me as someone who's deep in hydrology i didn't know that <laughs> so it, even that like meant something to them yeah. like they're like, oh, we need a dam, and we need it to be somewhere, you know. And the fact that they built sets, they went out and did it in, like, in real life yeah. <laughs> instead of a, a blue or a green screen. Right. We we've been saying it since day one that it really showed and it really matters. And then they gave voice to that at the panel, and it was nice to just hear. <laughs> it was va- validating, but I think it was really validating for them to see, like, mm-hmm. the uh, like the people who were there for those panels really fucking like that show yes you know it's not just like casual interest and like the fact that they had the like you said the prisoners and while you're walking through the convention all of a sudden you hear one way out one way out and yeah. it gets louder and louder and then like hundreds of them I don't hundreds know. of her just running down the aisle and there's no room for them so the fact that people parted way parted the, the sea there to let them through <laughs> yes. and not only that but some of them had like inflatable unicorn rafts and lifesavers, and they like, they added humor to it, which I fucking appreciate so much. Like, you know what's really appropriate too is because they always play the Ten Commandments on Easter on TV, and this oh, was Easter and this was weekend. Easter. <laughs> so Moses split the Red Sea for Narkina Five to run. Yes, <laughs> it's so great. It's so good. Oh my god, it was oh. so good. I really enjoyed. I'm glad. We got to see that. I, I, I mean, we, me and you agreed we both had to try and get to that one, and I'm glad we got to see that. And they showed a preview for the upcoming season. Yeah, I I was I loved it. And then I don't know if you noticed, but at the end they show Cassian like dressed to the nines, oh, and his yes. hair is like all slicked back, and he looks yes. fucking sexy. And he turns to the camera, and the audience just went, "What?" Yeah. <laughs> really good you know he looks he looks different but he looks really good in that scene he looks beautiful he looks like he's like with mon mothma somewhere i don't know he looks like regal almost it's like he's probably undercover somehow i don't care but i'm here for it (laughs) yes i am i can't wait i think it's gonna be great it's the only other season we're getting of it right yeah there's only I mean, we know where it goes. And they said it's going to go right up to where Rogue One begins. Yeah. Literally Cassian walking onto the ship to go to the Ring of Kefreen. I'm, I'm like so excited and so nervous. Because <laughs> they, they keep talking about how they want you to see Rogue One with a fresh eyes. Yeah. And I don't want yeah. to. <laughs> <laughs> 
I know what you mean. There's some cautious optimism there. Yeah, like I, I feel like what they did with season one beautifully dovetails oh, yeah, and makes yeah, yeah. Cassian make sense. And I'm just really afraid mm-hmm. they're going to make a statement about something that fans have opinions on or something. It's like, I hope that because it's Tony Gilroy, he'll, and he was, he was not like a lead writer, but he had a lot to do with Rogue One. You know, he actually Mm -hmm. is the reason Rogue One got finished. And like, he did rewrites enough to actually get like a lead writing credit on the, on the movie. So I pray to God above that (laughs) he's not going to mess up what I love and just like have it seamlessly tie in and just add like more oomph to it. That's like you said, I'm cautiously, nervously optimistic. Yes, right. I know. I, I guess we'll just have to wait and see. Well, we're definitely going to have to get K, right? Like, K's going to be... Oh, he, well, I mean, that's the thing. I was expecting it in season one, and we didn't get it. So, yeah, it's definitely happening, and I'm <laughs> excited for it. Did you see backstage somebody um, with StarWars.com, I think, was asking Diego Luna to pick, did he prefer B or K? Oh. <laughs> he was <sighs> like... I can't answer that. He's like, I won't. No. I'm not going to answer. He said that like B is like the best friend you could ever have and he's useless. <laughs> Aww. But K is like, can help you in any situation. He's like, no, I, I refuse to answer that. I like both yeah. of them. <laughs> it's like, we did get to meet B2 Emo. E-M-O. Is it I B2 yes. E-M-O? B2 Emo. <laughs> He was, they were in the hallway, Cassie, and you know, and his head went up and down. And it was so cute. And he had this little, so the one eyeball or I, I really make this into a, a humanite, a humanized thing, but it really isn't. It's just a droid. Honestly, <laughs> but is though, it? if someone is going to sell some B, like if they do a B2 as something, I will buy it because he's so fucking cute. I love him. Yeah. And he did the final, he brought... Uh, Marva to life one last time and to yeah. me that was the most crucial moment in the entire series so far <laughs> yes. the season then when so. uh, he gets kicked over Brasso yeah the riot like... started yeah that's it <laughs> that's it no one harms the innocent droid no <laughs> well I guess that dovetails into me meeting Andy Circus. <laughs> as brief as it was it was a delight yeah. He's, he signed the picture one way out, of course. <laughs> That's great. And I said to him, well, <laughs> you know, everyone knows I love Lord of the Rings and yeah. Andy Serkis is Gollum. Okay. Gollum right. is the keystone of everything that transpires in Lord of the Rings. In fact, Frodo couldn't finish his journey without Smeagol slash Gollum, right? Mm-hmm. Andy Serkis is that. So to me, Andy Serkis is Lord of the Rings first and Star Wars second. So that was why I chose to get an autograph from him and just thank him for his roles in both of my most favorite fandoms, Lord of the Rings and Star Wars. And I said, he's writing, you know, he's trying to get my name spelled correctly and he's doing the one way out thing and I'm just talking because that's what I do. And I said, (laughs) thank you for making me cry in Lord of the Rings and then making me cry in Star Wars Thank you for that. I know it's not every day that a woman thanks a man for making her cry, but here I am. And he, it made him laugh so hard that he had to stop writing altogether. And his assistant in the back was laughing. And I said, no, but for real, though, Andy. Like, 
for real. And he's like, oh, no, I get it. Thank you. <laughs> he's like, he was laughing. He's he's kind of precious. I'm not going to lie. He's very humble for the amount of talent that he has Yeah, in his wide array of roles and the shit they make him do as he wears the dot suit, you know, for multiple roles. He's got this crazy vocal performance, but then he he's does. really physical. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously, he, he's done Schmeagle, Schmeagle, Schmeagle. And then he was physically Schmeagle <laughs> on a bagel. <laughs> yes. yes, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> a little Schmeer, Schmeagle. Um, he was physically Snoke. When he was, he was doing that role for Star Wars. And then he's like uh, Planet of the Apes. He actually Mm -hmm. does the like physical stuff. He says they give him these little like, they're kind of like crutches so that he can do like walking on his knuckles kind of thing. Yeah. It's it's crazy. crazy. He had to, as Gollum, he had to be crouched like a frog most of his performance, which is un thinkable to me how uncomfortable that would get after some time yeah you had to do it for three films because he's in all three (laughs) films so i don't know hats off to him he had an amazing performance in andor the the performance that made me cry yeah literally break down i mean that was the most moving besides marva those two were the ones that brought me to my knees crying with that show so it was a pleasure it was an absolute pleasure to get to spend five minutes thanking him for making me cry in all the movies that he's been in. (laughs) Shout out to the DLR in London, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) For getting our ass everywhere. (laughs) The real MVP is the DLR, which was the HBIC of London that weekend. (laughs) It was, man. Those trains carried a lot of Smelly, smelly people. The oyster has a whole new meaning to me. (laughs) It is no longer a shellfish mollusk thing that you eat. It's it's a way of life. (laughs) To the regular Londoners trying to go about your business, we apologize. And we thank you for your patience. (laughs) We did take over the, uh, the lines leaving. I mean... You and I were trying to eat our last bit of food for the day, which was terrible, Friday evening. And they wanted us out at 7. And when they said 7, they meant 7. They were shouting at us to hurry up and finish our food so we could leave. I mean, WTF. And we didn't. (laughs) Yeah, we didn't. We said, fuck you. What are we going to go do? Stand in line for the DLR? Like, yeah. And that's what they, I mean, I think we did it right. We sat there. I ate really slow. Mm -hmm. And that mm-hmm. sea of humanity that walked past us was, I don't know, 30 minutes long, at least. Solid. People yeah. just walking, Solid. walking right past. It was insane. See, the thing about the Excel Center that made it so just not great for a con is that there's seating and restaurants and kiosks and food things all the way down the middle. Yeah. And it split people into a left and a right aisle. And it squeezed, it squeezed them in. And so there was nowhere for you to spread out and get any fucking air. Yeah. And queue lines were on the opposite side of the hall as where the actual main stage was. So they had to split 
when the queue line was moving into the main stage area for the panel, they had to stop the main flow of traffic yeah. to get us to cross the thing, which is, it it's insane to think about. Just not the most efficient convention center that I've seen. Well, and even the convention floors, like the shopping areas and everything, oh, those were so split. tight in there. God. It was split, on, and, and like there was half of it on one side. Then you'd have to cross the hall full of a million people to get to the other side. Mm-hmm. And it was just, the flow was really bad. It was really tight. It was. It was, it was, you couldn't really take time to enjoy some of the cool Things like they had statues from Return of the Jedi. They had a K2SO there. They they and they changed them out every day. They put new props and different things up every day. And and they had a cool setup with a Death Star, and you could hold Vader and Luke's lightsabers and get your picture taken. We couldn't get near it. There just was no way yeah. to get near any booth. We bought nothing. We bought. I I mean I was able to snag a, like three pins and two or three items from the main shopping, the main like merchandise store for the con and that was it because you couldn't get near anything else it was impossible it was it was insane which was probably better for my wallet in the long run but totally yeah i mean even even getting into the the store the official store thank god we had we won a lottery to get a reservation Mm -hmm. piece but the store by the time you get in it's like like it's like a bomb goes off. Like the the yeah. stuff is just thrown all over the place. It's spilling yeah, it off was... of shelves. People just pick it and throw it if they don't want it. It it's it's a mix of being disorganized and also people just like running through and just grabbing yes. and throwing stuff. And I guess we got a few items from the store that were good. You got what you were looking for. I got the poster yeah. of the artwork that was good. I I only bought one thing. I bought the poster. And then mm-hmm. because we couldn't get close to the booth, I bought yeah. the the Vader comic online later right. with the little QR code that I could scan from their booth. But that was all I got for myself. Yeah, I would have liked to have had that comic, but I didn't want to pay the exorbitant shipping fee. But they didn't have enough to bring. They didn't print in time or something. So it's like, it was kind of constant disorganization the entire weekend. Oh my gosh, and the Wi-Fi? Remember, the Wi-Fi wasn't working. What is is that? That was frustrating for us, but as the vendors, they couldn't get their credit card machines to work because the Wi-Fi was terrible. It was just like... It was chaotic. It was very frustrating in that sense. So, um, I mean, it has my experience at I will say at Anaheim and Chicago were much better than what I mm-hmm. had in London because of the flow. The panels yeah. were still amazing. Yeah, yeah. And by Saturday we had the Clone Wars fifteenth anniversary panel, which was like we already said, just an absolute delight. Yeah. I think I'll add Filoni talking right here. Oh, nice. Because I got him tearing up, and I'll put it in here. And uh, I take you with me on every project I'm ever on. You're so meaningful to me, and I'm so grateful uh, for your hard work and what you've given to Star Wars and myself. So thank you guys so much. So, you know, anytime we get to hear Filoni speak, not only is he effortlessly funny he's as genuine as they come he's humble and he's just brilliant he's a smart man who understands star wars in our opinion yeah and he 
he's, I really want success for him on and on and on beyond what success he's already gathered. Cause I really like him. Now I don't know him personally, but I like him as a person from what I see. Mm-hmm. He seems like a cool dude. Seems like a down to earth, just another Star Wars fan who made it. He just happened to make it. You know, he's got the talent. He was in the right place at the right time. And now he's bringing us the stuff. And he's he's also, which we saw at the Ahsoka panel, that was also on Saturday, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, it was. That was the first thing we went to Saturday. Yeah, so Ahsoka was in the morning. Clone Wars was, <laughs> Saturday was my panel in the afternoon. And then Clone Wars was right after that. So Saturday was the busiest day. Yeah. But I love that he's working in Timothy Zahn's Heir to the Empire book out of Legends and bringing it into canon. Thank you, Dave. Yes. <laughs> if you I, do it right, which I have faith yeah. he will. You can see it in Mandalorian Book of Boba Fett. You can see little pieces. Dave is pulling mm-hmm. pieces of Legends oh, yeah. in and making yeah. it canon. So I <laughs> have a feeling he, that's his like long-term goal as a Star Wars fan. Because everyone was kind of like, oh, it's Legends? Like, it's not qualified anymore? And right. So he is kind of well, like... turns out it is. Yeah, now it is canon, you know, so I think it's great. And uh, I loved, oh my God, I loved the original Thrawn trilogy. Yes. I loved those yeah. books. And Lars is officially Lars Mickelson. We got another Mickelson in the in, in the, <laughs> the group. Yeah. The other Mickelson, I should say. Yeah, There's seriously. about 15 Skarsgårds out there, so I get them confused. <laughs> There's two Mickelsons, 15 Skarsgårds, and a few other, but... Lars came out, I think he may have had just a little twinkle of a tear in his eye for the reception he got as Thrawn. I'm very excited to see him in live action. Me too. No one else can do that. He's just, he's got the voice, but he's also built for it. Like he is that lithe, scary kind of. Yes. Underestimating him because he's quiet and it's just like, oh, he's got to be perfect. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes, and he's got that creep factor of like someone who is playing chess with you while you are playing checkers. Yes, like that's Thrawn, and he's got it. So yeah, but you and I both said if we're gonna if they're gonna do this heir to the empire, and they literally said it in the Ahsoka trailer, heir to the empire. Yeah, Luke has to show up at some point. You can't have heir <sighs> to the empire without Luke Skywalker. I know they've turned it into like a rebels thing, but heir to the empire is about Luke Skywalker. It's so. about Luke, yeah. <laughs> so okay, don't fuck this up. We need to see, like <laughs> you won us so far with Luke and his few appearances. If you're gonna do it, do it right. Yeah, and I think they will. I think they I will. So. I think they will. That's me channeling into the yes, universe. Yes, it's true. I mean, what they've done with Luke so far has been very uh, respectful of Luke and actually mm-hmm. redeeming of the character that we wanted to see. And actually, Mark Hamill has even said, you know, how yeah meaningful that was for him as well. Yes, yes, yes. And I think they're, it's clear that this creative team that's in charge of Star Wars right now is working very hard to make amends, so to speak, for lack sure. of a better term. I mean, like, with Ahmed Best is another great example. Yes. You know? And 100%. even even Hayden. Hayden, who did tear up and choked up and had a hard time speaking when he was on the live stage. Yeah. At his... He continues to be shown 
a whole new realm of respect and that people really do want him in this fandom and appreciate him for what he brings to the a very important character in this yeah. in this whole storyline you know there would be none of this without the Obi-Wan Obi and Anakin and the fact that Ewan and Hayden are reprising their role. And we'll talk about that when we get to that panel, when we recount that, because that was just yeah. emotional as fuck. Um, <laughs> of course. It was. <laughs> but Hayden is getting what he deserves, and it's really nice to see. It's just been incredible. Um, you know, the reception that you guys have given the show. <laughs> just had a blast and, um, and, and to get to be here and see all of you guys and uh, see all of the costumes and, and all of the sort of the love that you guys have, have for the franchise, it, it really um, means a lot to me, so thank you. I think you can see on his face that like, he, he looks to me like a person who has lived his whole life feeling like that was a moment of embarrassment. Yeah. And realizes all of a sudden that he's like the last one to the party to realize that it's right. actually really, really loved. Yeah. And Ewan has even said as much in interviews that like at the time there wasn't internet like there is now. No. And mm -mm. so the the voices they were hearing were critics mostly. Mm -hmm. And they weren't hearing, and especially because he was saying it's made for the kids and so the kids don't have a voice. Now those kids are grown up and those kids have a very loud voice. And yes, so they're finally, which is weird, like what, 20 years later, they're finally getting the love that they they had all along but didn't know mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. those people didn't have a platform to speak on, you know. So it's pretty cool to be in the room with these people and see the realization, you know, like on mm -hmm. Hayden's face where he's like suddenly super emotional because it's like, it's, I don't know, it's an experience you can't put into words. We appreciate just all these people, and I'm really happy to have been a part of showing them the love that I think that they deserve. And we don't know anything about Lars Mikkelsen yet in his role, but we do from Rebels because he was the voice of Thrawn, so I have no doubt that he will be well-received. Oh, yeah. I mean, he was already brought to tears, and we haven't even seen his performance yet. So Yeah, so <laughs> I can't wait. And then that leads to the panel that I sat in on. And oh my God, I lived. <laughs> I lived. It was so fun. It was actually extremely interesting. I don't really know if I should talk during this because I, I was up there. No, you can't. So you could say what it was like. I mean, as an observer, it was really fascinating because it was all about the science of Return of the Jedi. So they had like a person who is specializes in lasers and... Mm -hmm. uh, what was that other guy, the German guy? He worked on particle accelerators. So oh, that's right. He was all about energy. Yeah. And essentially they had people there that, scientists that worked with particle accelerators, lasers, um, paleontology. And like biological evolution. And social sciences. The social science I thought was a really cool addition, honestly, to the panel. Yes. Because people forget about that side of science. Yes. And it's, and it's an important part. It is. It's human behavior. And that's mm -hmm. a huge part of science in general. You can't, with some science, you can't have one without the other when it comes to, like, progress and invention and things like that. Yeah. So 
But he was talking even about like the external gaze and how we have our own biases that we use to observe and judge other societies that we have known nothing about. And so to talk about like the Ewoks as primitive, he was saying is actually showing your bias because yeah, you're not an Ewok for all you know. They're very advanced in their own mm-hmm. society. So I thought that was a really fascinating point of view that I never ever thought about before. Right? <laughs> well, that was the fun part about being on a panel like this to hear it from a scientific standpoint, you know, is a lightsaber even possible? Yeah. Uh, how much energy does it take in one lightsaber? What about the Death Star laser, <laughs> yeah. you know? And then, of course, the question of what happens to the Ewoks, which I <laughs> I commented is <laughs> not great news. Yeah. You know, uh, all that radiated fallout hanging in the atmosphere of Endor isn't going to go well for the Ewoks, but... <laughs> You know, it was fun to contribute an atmospheric science point of view to places like Tatooine and Endor and um, just talk about, is there actually water on Tatooine? There has to be, right? And single world, single biome worlds such as Tatooine. Exactly. My answer is there is no really single world. There's always, I mean, there's dominant biome, but not single biome. Right. I mean, look at the macro scale and then dig down into the sand and see what you've got mm-hmm. going on under there. I mean, you guys were even talking about, you made the great point of all of the huge predators that live on Tatooine yeah. are under the sand. They're sub-soil. Yes. And... So I made the point, like, where are they getting their water to live underground all the time? Got to be aquifers, right? Right. They're not eating enough people to sustain their... <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and they're not they're not above ground to uh produce more of the molecules necessary to put more you know respiration and and evaporation into the atmosphere so right. it's fun to look at things from a scientific point of view that are completely fake yeah but it's it's fun because that's but it's not <laughs> <laughs> same time it's real Tatooine is real okay well that's the thing I think that most people with Star Wars kind of want that answer of like yes it is possible and everyone's like well yay (laughs) I hope everybody bought my answer when I said that there is more there's always moisture there's always a bit of humidity in even the most arid parts of our planet for instance so I, I one time went to an astrobiology conference which was so fascinating and there they were talking about how life lives under extreme circumstances. So you could go to the depth of the ocean where there's no light at all. Yes, and there are animals yes. that are evolving and, and thriving. And then you can go to the top of the tallest mountain where there's like no oxygen for survival and there's nothing but arid dirt. And you can find bacteria in the soil. Yeah. You know, so yeah. It's, it's really fascinating to apply that then to science fiction because... As much as I love science and find astrobiology especially, like, very fascinating, they're wrong a lot. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yep. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So it's cool that there's, like, these different, definite things about science, and then there's a lot of, like, theory that you apply to things that you can't ever actually physically study. So there is no certainty, like... Sure, that could exist. Who's to say not? You know, it's really cool. 
Well, the, the greatest thing about science is that there will always be theories. And as long as there are always theories, there's always a mind looking for an answer to prove, you know, to find the fact or to prove the theory or to, you know, bring some substance to it, which if you're not constantly thinking forward, you're not a very good scientist. So <laughs> <laughs> that applies even to the fake, so-called fake worlds of our Star Wars galaxy. And it was really... I want to say this. It was really humbling to be asked to be on the panel, and it was an, an incredible experience to be on the panel, and I want to thank James Floyd from Star Wars Ologies and StarWars.com for inviting me to be up there with a panel of amazing scientists who are absolute geniuses, <laughs> and for him to count me one among that. That was extremely flattering. And only not only that, but it was a packed house, and my friends were there, my new friends and my old Thank you for coming to support me. And if anyone wants to actually listen to the panel, Star Wars Ology podcast run by James Floyd, and I believe perhaps maybe he has a team of people, they will have the entire thing recorded so you can listen to it there. So yes, head on over to Star Wars Ologies. They will have it. But I will also add a clip here from the panel itself where I'm speaking. The Force Lightning. If we're actually talking lightning... Lightning itself, when it comes from a cloud, you know thunder, right? You can do the one, one thousand, two, one thousand, three. See how far away the lightning actually struck. If Palps is doing the force lightning, there would be a barrage of sound because what lightning does is split the air mass in half, and when it comes back together, it's the sound wave, the sound that emits from that. So that's what thunder actually is. So if he's doing all of this. They're getting all of the sound all in that small room, which I guarantee has an echo. And I don't know with Vader's helmet how that's going to send him <laughs> to the ground or what, but it would be a disaster, not just because of the lightning, but the sound itself would rock everybody in the room. So maybe that's what really causing Luke so much distress. Perhaps that's <laughs> it. <laughs> I'm getting shocked. That's nothing, nothing. But no, my sound. ears are exploding. Come <laughs> in, come in. We learned that the sound thing. doesn't work. Yeah. yeah, right. Sound works oppositely. In atmosphere, no sound. In space, there's sound. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the galaxy far, far away. The physics can be different. Just remember, kids, science is cool. Follow your heart. Be a nerd. Be a geek. Do not be afraid to be any of those things. Do not be afraid to love Star Wars. Do not be afraid to love science. And now I'll get off my soapbox. Just remember, science is cool. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. The end. <laughs> <laughs> there done PSA done done <laughs> so on our last day because we left on sun Sunday was our last day even though the, the con goes through Monday we saw the uh, recapping remaking whatever of the Obi-Wan Kenobi panel and that was I mean that was the only one that we got into the main stage and yes. that would be the only one I well, not the only one. I wouldn't mind being in the room with Diego Luna ever, but... <laughs> well, we were in the main stage for the Clone Wars panel, but it wasn't the celebration stage. That was yeah. held at a slightly smaller stage. But this was... This Obi-Wan Kenobi uh, look back was held at the celebration stage. The biggest stage there, the nicest one. Yeah. And we had amazing seats. We did. The clips they showed and talked about. Oh, my God. They each went through and showed... Each one of the acts, so who was up there was Ewan, Deborah the director, Hayden, little Vivian, God love her, and mm -hmm. Indira, who plays Tala, and couldn't have had a better group of people up there. Basically, I mean, other than 
Moses, mm-hmm. who, who they gave major shout outs to and by all means should should have been shouted out more. But yeah, it was great to see who we got to see and hear them speak, especially Vivian. I know. She is the most eloquent, well-spoken child actor I've ever, <laughs> ever seen. She's She gets it. She's really smart. She speaks with respect, and she mm-hmm. hasn't been around long enough to know the respect that's necessary in the Star Wars world. <laughs> she hasn't. <laughs> and somehow she gets it. She gets it. It's nice to see. Well, it, I loved that they showed each of their favorite scenes. And honestly, each scene that they showed was one of my favorite scenes. It sure was. Yeah, I could. there wasn't one I would have argued with up there. Not a single one. They were all fantastic. Yeah. Deborah's was the the time that Obi-Wan first sees Vader in the, the mining yeah. town. That was a scene that had me shaking when I first saw it. <laughs> and when Vader's helmet turns... Really fast yes, to look where Obi Wan is. So good. Oh, it's so great. <laughs> God, it made me relive when we were talking about it on the show for the first time about how it's like a predator after its yes. prey and it's stalking and and he's going down the line just cracking necks and choking people and dragging people and I got I got frisky all over again. <laughs> it was like great. A straight up horror film, honestly, the way it was filmed. Yeah, it and was- with. So great. With the sound and on a big screen like that, that was pretty cool. I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it right now. Yeah, and I mean, (laughs) they showed Hayden's scene was my favorite. And it was the fight. And when his helmet gets cracked, that was Hayden's favorite favorite scene. And by by no surprise, because that performance, I stood up for it. I when it was over, I gave them a standing (laughs) ovation because those two actors, Ewan and Hayden nailed it and made us cry all over again in the crowd seeing it i mean they brought it they knew they brought it and i was really 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 happy to see it on a massive screen like that with everyone in the crowd totally silent i know we've all seen it and probably multiple times and i i always kind of thought it was like the build-up you know in that scene and like the emotion just builds and builds but no it's like even in that moment they just showed the little snippet of them there and that alone gets me emotional because we've seen anakin all through the clone wars and matt lanter even said that in the clone wars panel that he got to grow that character a lot and it makes his fall even more tragic and heartbreaking and Mm -hmm. i think that's really true Ugh, so painful and if that wasn't painful enough, it was followed up, lastly, by Ewan's favorite clip, which was him and Leia saying goodbye at the end of the show, <laughs> where he hugs her and she tells him he needs a nap, which is what we've all been telling him. <laughs> and he explains to her in so many words who her parents really were. And it had everyone sobbing in the crowd. And it was really, really yeah. nice to see. Well, I- I loved the story he told, too, because he was saying that he's an executive oh, producer on it. So yeah, they had him watch the first three episodes in a private viewing, and then he went away. When they finished the last of the show, he came back and rewatched the whole show. And he said that they set up the movie, and 
they'll come in for each episode, hit play, and then leave, and he's there by himself. And he said by the end of the last episode, when he does that scene with Vivian, <laughs> Leia's theme starts to play. He said he was just sitting there by himself, just sobbing. <laughs> <laughs> that's when you know you've made... You've made something good. <laughs> right? Like, that's what I, like, when I first saw that episode, the, the Vader scene made me cry. And then as soon as Leia's theme started to play, yeah. I just lost my fucking shit. <laughs> I have goosebumps now, too, because Leia's theme gets me every time. But just as a little girl with yeah. Obi-Wan, who she calls upon for help. If you should ever need help from an old man, you know, yeah. like he says there. And we know how much that means yeah. to everyone in Star Wars. It's just, I don't know, it was really cool to end a really incredible weekend on that high of a note Yeah, with that panel. So, yeah, that was that was the highlight. That was, was really blast. cool. I, I, and Ewan said... Maybe some more? Would you like some more? They didn't announce that they were going to do more, but he made it clear that he's interested in doing more. Whether Yes. Maybe he even means just, like, directing something, like, not necessarily being Obi-Wan again, but if he... I mean, I know a lot of people have mixed feelings on that, and I understand it, but honestly, anything they do to me is a risk. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's true. Like, I love the original trilogy, and the prequels made me terrified. The sequels made me terrified. All the shows have made me terrified. So I've learned, I just have to, like, piecemeal, like, take what I like and leave what I don't. So, like, I'm willing to see more if they want to give me more. Yes. But only if Quinlan Boss is in it. Yeah, what the fuck? Come on, Quinlan, we need you. (laughs) We saw one or two Quinlans. We saw one of t- or two of everything, literally. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I yeah. think my favorite of the entire, my favorite cosplay of the entire weekend was the person dressed up as the fucking Death Star with a, if found, please return to Tarkin sign on it. I, I'm sorry, but that was the tops for me. It was snarky enough and funny enough that I said that, that one right there, that's my favorite of the weekend. Uh there were some brilliant costumes. I saw a Dooku that could have been Dooku. Oh, yeah. Remember well, him? My favorite is the uh, Qui-Gon Jinn behind the scenes. Yes! <laughs> Liam Neeson with a, a colorful umbrella and sunglasses. Yes. That, that was... <laughs> yes. We saw at least two of those, maybe three. Loved them all. They tagged themselves, too, on my inst- on, on our oh, Instagram. And it's so good. I love it so and don't don't forget, lest we forget, before the Obi-Wan Kenobi panel started, they had everyone dressed as Obi-Wan Kenobi come oh, up on yes. stage yes. and do their best Obi-Wan Kenobi pose. And as they're doing it, Ewan walks out, goes down the line, <laughs> w- turns around, walks back, waves to everybody and leaves. And everyone was in shock, including the MC who was doing the pre-panel stuff. He's like, I had no idea that was going to happen. But he said he did call everyone... As Obi-Wan Kenobi Obi- to come Wan. to the stage. <laughs> yes. yes. And he is Obi-Wan. Well, so. And they, it seemed timed. Like, I thought they did it on purpose because they had everyone come on stage. They totally. told him to strike the pose. And then they started playing the Obi-Wan theme. Yeah. And then Ewan walked out. And I was like, oh, it's like, oh, my God. And then there, it just happened to be perfect like that. So yeah. it's, that was a great... that. 
That shit is why celebration is fun. Yes. 100%. You never know. You could be walking through somewhere, minding your own goddamn business, and all of a sudden you're standing next to Sam Witwer or your Ewan McGregor pops out, or, you know, you just... And Vivian walked by us in the hall. Yeah, she was just walking down the hall with her people, and, like, nobody noticed her. Yeah. Except me. I was like, that was yeah. Vivian! Yeah, you're like, hey! <laughs> <laughs> there she goes, my little Leia. Oh, God. It was great. I, I don't know. It was super, super cool. Yeah. I, I had fun. I, I had a lot of fun. It was beautiful weather. Um, great time spent with friends. The toilets. I don't know about the toilets, but. Well, I, I do want to shout out James Earl Taylor also, because on. The, 100%. What was it? The Sunday? I think it was on Sunday. Very last day. Yep. I woke up and we were getting ready to go. And I checked my messages and I had a DM from him on Instagram and he was saying, come and find me, you know, I'll be at my booth or whatever. And I was just so shocked that he was kind enough to, first of all, think of us. And yes. then he initiated the the message. Yeah, he reached out to us. Yeah, it didn't work out. We tried to connect and it just didn't work out. And actually, it turned out to be a good thing because he was sick. Uh, he ended up getting well, so sick. So are we. So yeah, we all well, caught the same thing. Exactly. <laughs> We're all catching the same bug. But um, he's just been really nice, and he's been DMing with me since then. And he, I just, you know, send him some love and follow him on yeah. social media because he is our intro, and he, he has is. always been so kind to us. And he really has been. He's a friend of the shows uh, since day one. Honestly, yes, he's been yeah. nothing but kind to us for no reason. He's just a kind, awesome guy. Yeah, exactly. So thank you. Thanks, Obi-Wan. <laughs> so our question this week, it doesn't have to be just for people who attended Celebration. We are curious, what was your favorite piece of information that came out during Star Wars Celebration this last weekend? And, oh my god, next week. <laughs> next week episode is a big one. It's a milestone. It is the 100th episode of Most Things Kenobi. We've made it to 100 episodes, Lauren. I know. How How did we do it? <laughs> Perseverance. <laughs> Blood, sweat, and tears. No. <laughs> and we have many special guests that are joining us we have been recording for this 100th episode for the past like two months yeah we wanted to turn over what the last 100 episodes actually meant to some of our patrons listeners fans and yes. some of our dearest dearest closest friends so we'll do less talking next episode and let others talk about what the last 100 episodes have meant to them so it's going to be a special episode do not miss we can't wait to debut it. So we are back to reading listener comments. Uh, we mentioned last week they're back by popular demand. Uh, last week we talked about Return of the Jedi because it was the 40th anniversary. And we asked our listeners what was their favorite part of Return of the Jedi. If you don't know, we post these questions on our Spotify. So if you listen to us on Spotify, you can actually submit your answer right there through Spotify. Otherwise, you can always send it to us in a DM on social media or email it to us, whatever you like. Mm -hmm. 
So through Spotify, we got these answers. One is from Writing Talk. They said, I watched Return of the Jedi over four times and I always enjoy the scene where they chaotically rescue Han because Luke and Leia are equally badass. Plus Luke's outfit in all caps. <laughs> yes. Who could argue with that? That's <laughs> so true. Honestly, <laughs> Luke's outfit is clutch in that episode. That yes, is it really good, is. Good shit. Z said, seeing Luke at his peak in the OT in this, as well as the cuteness of the Ewoks, space teddy bears. <laughs> space teddy bears! Peak, so Luke, and space teddy bears. I'm here for it. Love it. Yep. Couldn't agree more. <laughs> <laughs> And then KM Osborne 77 said, there's so much great Star Wars in this movie. Dark side versus light side, creatures, romance. It's the epitome of Star Wars, in my opinion. Yes. I, that is spot on. Yep. That's so true. We, we're, we're here for the 40th anniversary. We love it. Yeah, Return of the Jedi is such a campy, I don't know. It's great. Yeah, it's, like, <laughs> it's everything you want out of Star Wars. So thank you, everybody, for your answers. It's fantastic. And thank you so much for joining us here on the Most Things Kenobi podcast. We appreciate every single one of our patrons and are grateful for your support. If you would like to support the podcast and become a patron as well, head over to the Most Things Kenobi Patreon. And as always, you can follow us on Tumblr, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast player. If you enjoy our podcast, feel free to rate us on Spotify and Apple. That always helps. And if you need just one place to find all of these, head over to mostthingskenobi.com. So until next time, my space twin, for our 100th episode. Yes. May the force be with you. <laughs> Always. Always.